Welcome everybody to the Tag You're It podcast. We have had some awesome issues, but hey, we got them worked out, and we are back here live in the studio. We've got Ray Ray Me and Dave Beardless. I am Beardless, not by choice, by accident. By divine providence, no accidents. Yeah, so yeah, yesterday um, I got the awesome privilege to go up to First Baptist Buffalo and uh, do for the third time the family communion. And uh, I walk in, I say hi to a bunch of people, and then all of a sudden I see this man walking around with no beard on his face, and it's Dave. Yeah, it kind of looks like Dave, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome. That was an awesome surprise to see yesterday. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. first time that Elisha ever saw me without a beard, first time anyone in my church, excluding my wife and my kids, ever saw me without a beard. Uh, so it was was weird but there you go and it won't be very long because uh, i don't like it and didn't choose <laughs> it really but it chose me <laughs> yes it'll come back around it'll come That's back right. around it will. Uh, lesson learned don't try to trim, trim your own beard all that often let yeah. your barber do the work that he has been uh, called to do so mm-hmm. we've got an exciting show we're gonna do a few shows today that's yes. the plan anyway so we're not going to change shirts halfway through like some people do. Yeah, that's right? only for life. So if you're on the podcast, uh, you know that this right. is all done in one day. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing these out. But uh, something we wanted to get to last time, but because of the response with uh, J.D. Uh, Greer and the Terry Carter issue and all that kind of stuff, that just took up a lot of time. So this time we want to take the time and to discuss the necessity of Scripture, what that means for apologetics, but really, what does it mean to begin with um, if you've never encountered this doctrine um, or if you have a basic understanding of this doctrine? This is what we want to talk about, not just the necessity of Scripture, just what it is, um, but you know how you know how we can relate it to apologetics. Um, what should we see um, when people talk um, that they're not holding to the necessity of Scripture? And I think that's the big deal yeah, and so again, with, we've so. already dealt with the authority of Scripture, and we're going to later deal with the clarity of Scripture, and finally we'll wrap the whole thing up with the inerrancy, but we've talked about the authority of Scripture, we've talked about the sufficiency of Scripture. Again, these are just five attributes that generally in a Protestant tradition we have held to define what scripture is when you look at its attributes. And so again, just as a bit of review, um, if you're catching us live and you haven't listened to anything before, the authority of scripture means that to not obey scripture is to not obey God. Um, The sufficiency of scripture means that God has said everything that he needs to say in such a way so that we can know it. And then that brings us into what we would call the necessity of Scripture. And so, with that said, uh, if you were just going to define it in your own words as we talk about the necessity of Scripture, uh, how would you discuss the necessity of Scripture? Yeah, I mean, uh, just personally, it's just we need it. Yeah. Um, Because, and it's an epistemological issue. Yeah, Um, right on. So, I mean, we can go to Wayne Grudem. Um, It says, the necessity of Scripture means that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will, but it is not necessary for knowing that God exists 
or for knowing something about God's character and moral laws. Um, so that's what how he um, has defined it. And I know, I guess I don't have... In chapter 6 yeah. of the Institutes, in the first mm-hmm. book, Calvin also deals with this in his chapter, the need of Scripture as a guide and teacher in coming to God as a creator. And mm-hmm. just to kind of summarize, it's not a very long chapter, and without directly quoting him, Calvin really contends that, like, look, we can look at the world, and we can know that God exists. God has uh, put it in man's heart, according to Scripture, that he exists. God has thrown it all over creation that he exists, mm-hmm. and God, of course, has put it and impressed it in man to know that he exists, as it tells us in Romans. But to know, and again, the necessity of Scripture gives us their specific knowledge that God has to tell us concerning things about salvation, concerning things more specifically about his attributes, more specifically about how the church should function. And so God has necessarily spoken because what we would call general revelation does not give us everything we need to know about special revelation. Mm -hmm. In other words, we can see this from the very beginning. God has these dialogues with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? In fact, Mm -hmm. it's even more crazy in Genesis chapter 3, God's speaking to not only Adam and Eve, he's also speaking to Satan and Mm -hmm. cursing Satan. And so God does have this type of um, very specific verbal dialogue with his creation. Now, the fall does damage that, but God still needed to, again, reveal to his people what it was he had said for them. Look, we can see again this continuing through the narrative of of Genesis where he goes to Noah and he speaks to Noah. In fact, it tells us in Genesis chapter 5 that that's when men began to call on the name of the Lord, right? It says that Enoch was with the Lord, right? He walked Mm -hmm. with the Lord and then he was no more. So throughout history, we can see that God has had this engagement with man necessarily to share who he is. Yes, and I mean this relationship is defined as covenant. Yes, amen. So, I mean, this is why our documents in the 1689 talk about how he condescended and he made covenant with us, or else we would not even have like this fruition. Uh, and, and this, Did you uh, need this to grab continue. your 1689? Yes, okay, go Actually, for it. Actually, no, and, oh, I, I, I can find it in, yeah. in this book. It's, it's written in here. Um, but the big thing to really gather in this discussion is natural light, what we get whenever we do empirical. Um, study of the world. And again, that's Romans 1, 18 through 32. It talks about how God has clearly been perceived as eternal power, um, his glory, all those kind of things can be seen and perceived and it's clear in the creation. Um, but the big, I think the discussion is we always need to go back to the garden. Remember this right here, this reality right now is not the way it was. So there's a discontinuity of how the world was before and after say the fall. Um, the world before the flood and after the flood. There's there's discontinuity here. So we can't believe in uniformitarianism, which is what scientists, not science, but scientists have to hold to some sort of uniformitarianism to get to what they want to. This is why they can't even um, do science without borrowing capital from God, which is the one that holds the universe together. Um, that's why we have that. Um, sort of that's why we can back up why science is possible why is the why is the creation knowable it's because god wants to be known through his creation but 
whenever we think about Adam in the garden, he's made, he comes to uh, consciousness. If God didn't speak to him, he's going around. So say God still put the tree of knowledge of good and evil there. He put the tree of life. There's all these other trees. There's nothing um, in particular else special about those two trees. They could have looked the same as any tree in the garden. It could be any tree. And then Adam goes around and does his empirical study. Um, he has no clue that there's one tree that's going to like screw things up. And uh, guess what? He ends up finding that tree and he ends up screwing it up and he doesn't even know it. You know, so God wouldn't be just in that situation if he didn't speak. So we're talking about positive uh, law, how God spoke to Adam. How did, how did Adam know God as God? It wasn't just from creation, but it was from speaking. There you go. And that is a key thing. Yeah. And that is exactly where we go. Uh, in Romans chapter 10, one of the things that I think is really important as we begin to break this down, we're going to kind of look at it through four, four separate lenses here. Number one, we would say that uh, Scripture is necessary for knowledge about the gospel, that Scripture is necessary for correct spiritual life and spiritual growth. Scripture is necessary to know what God's will is. And, and the Bible or Scripture is necessary for knowing anything anything actually with certainty. So we're going to basically go full circle here in our discussion. And the first place I want to go is to Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 14, and then also look at, chap at verse 17. Paul writing to the church at Rome says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let me kind of break this down as we begin to kind of look at this scripture as the framework for understanding the necessity of God speaking, the necessity of scripture. There's four different, five different ways I want to kind of approach this. Number one, when we look at this verse, we can see that Paul is implying that one must call on the Lord to be saved. Alright, so if you're going to be saved, you have to call on who? The Lord. Of course, that word there is kurios, kurios, mm -hmm. right? That's how Paul would, throughout the book of Rome, throughout his epistles, basically say Jesus Christ, again, translated mm -hmm. Lord, but he's generally using that term to designate Jesus Christ. So, one needs to call on Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Without calling on Jesus, no salvation. But we also see from this verse, again, understanding it from the framework of the authority of Scripture, we see that in order to call on the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to, what? Believe in Christ Jesus Christ. So you need to believe in Jesus Christ. So you need to call to be saved. You need to believe to be saved. But also, people can't believe in Jesus Christ unless they hear of Jesus Christ. So it's necessary for one to come to salvation, right? If someone is to come to salvation, they can only do through Jesus Christ. They can only do so if they believe, but they can only do so if they have heard that Jesus Christ is the way. And people can't hear what? Unless they're told. And further, salvation comes by hearing the gospel preached so without preaching the gospel, no one comes to salvation. In other words, when we understand the necessity of Scripture, we can see this doctrine here rooted deeply in what Paul is saying. No one can come to salvation without Jesus. Therefore, God has to have spoken, and God, of course, mm -hmm. has spoken. He's spoken through His Word and through preaching. So salvation is only going to happen 
through God speaking, in other words. And so it is necessary for thus us to have understanding of who God is, and in order for us to have understanding of who God is, he has to have spoken. Oh, yes. And I mean, just really on top of that, what we really need to talk about is the fact of we do need revelation. Adam, yes. ne- Adam needed extra special revelation, uh, sp- spoken word from God. Now, we have to realize that people were saved without the scriptures. That's right. And so we need to be able to answer that question as yes. defenders of the faith for the scriptures. So, but they weren't saved yes. without God having spoken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, this whole idea, and again, this is one thing that I would will also deal with. In the Old Testament, there was a group of individuals who came to salvation, obviously, without the incarnation already taking place, mm-hmm. but God had spoken. Again, Enoch yeah. had no, and going back to, to Genesis, early Genesis with the example of Enoch, Enoch had no written revelation from God, but he had personal experience with God. I mean, Scripture's real clear. He spoke with God. Noah had no written document of who God was, yet he called on the name of the Lord. Job had no written document. In fact, it's pretty clear, um, a lot of Old Testament scholars will even tell you, um, Job is probably not even Jewish, right? But that's okay. His engagement with the Lord was was direct. So it's always necessary. But looking at this again through our time and through our lens, we would say that it is necessary for God to have spoken in order for us to have understanding of the gospel. So even to put it more going back to Genesis, right, we see in the actions of Adam, excuse me, of Cain and Abel, what are they doing, right? Mm-hmm. So after the fall, they're making sacrifices yes. to the Lord, right? They are demonstrating that there needs to be some type of atonement, some type of payment, right, to uh, to have relationship with the Lord. They weren't doing that because they were reading it in Scripture. It was already something that was told to them, right? Mm-hmm. And God makes it clear, like, your, when speaking to Cain, it was your sacrifice wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that Cain didn't already know that, right? He already did. Abel already knew to give the best that he had. And so, we can see early on in Scripture, in Genesis right away, that this idea of looking to a atoning payment, looking to a cover for our sins, was implicit and really direct in human beings. And then, of course, God does reveal himself very directly to Abraham in Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a face-to-face encounter with him when it comes to uh, uh, after he saves a lot and Melchizedek meets with him, right? There Mm -hmm. is this face-to-face with God. Um, Again, we see Um, In the life of Jacob, he has a one-on-one face-to-face discussion with the Lord. So Mm -hmm. this revelation is always looking forward to the gospel, and Mm -hmm. it's necessary to come through God speaking. We never see the atoning sacrifice of Christ delivered any other way except through either a direct encounter or the written record. So in order for us to understand how God atones through skin... As through uh, atones for our sin, 
we have to have that direct revelation. It's necessary. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It totally makes sense. And it's just one of those things that we need to recognize that there is a difference between mm-hmm. God speaking directly yes. and the scriptures. Yes. Now, the continuity. Bingo. It's authoritative. Good. It's all God. There's distinctions in between God directly speaking and then God's written word that need to be distinct from each other. But then again, remember how we're talking about all these attributes that we've talked about. They all deal with each other. So you can't strip them away from each other and part and piece them out only to talk to about. You can talk about the distinctiveness of the doctrine, but you can't take that doctrine here and maybe that doctrine here. You have to have them all or you have nothing. Right. Um, so whenever we're talking about special revelation, how God is has spoken directly or is it's written down and God is superintended to make sure that we have it today. They're both the same in authority, the same in necessity, the same sufficiency, the same clarity. Um, and every, so you still have that between God's direct word and his written word because his written word is his direct word written down. Right. But there's still distinctive issues to go there. Um, but yeah, let's go, let's move on because I think what my major point is at the very end here. Yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to spiritual life and yeah. growth. Go for it. And so whenever we're, we're thinking about the necessity of scripture, if we are to believe it, um, again, are we trying to transcend ourselves? Are we trying to come up with this airtight doctrine of Scripture that we we can craft and go, okay, this is the way it has to be because philosophically it satisfies our brains by our categories and by the way we want to think of them? Or is this true because of authority? Well, we've already talked about authority. And so whenever we think about uh, more than the gospel, whenever we're going to, it's for spiritual life and growth. Why do we believe that? We believe that because the Bible says that. And so this is whenever yeah. we get in with Paul and Timothy, when he says, you are acquainted with the sacred writings. That was right. the Old Testament scriptures that he grew up with. That's right. And he said, what, what, what did he say about these scriptures? That they were good for what? For correcting, for reproof, mm-hmm. right? For, for living in righteousness. So again, in order to know how to live the Christian faith and grow in the Christian mm-hmm. faith, it was necessary for God to have spoken. In other words, God didn't leave us without some clue as to how we might grow in wisdom and knowledge, how we might be able to uh, grow in our dependence on Him, grow in our likeness to Christ. In fact, Jesus would even make sure that it was clearly stated when He was in the uh, while he was being tempted by Satan, he says that man can't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, it is necessary for us to, if we desire to grow in our Christian faith, we have to be in the word of God. Jesus is making it very mm-hmm. clear. Why is scripture necessary? It's scripture is necessary for us to know the particulars of the gospel. God has spoken necessarily so that we could know how to grow in our spiritual walk with Him, and, of course, grow in in holiness, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, God tells us, be holy as I am holy, and therefore He gives us a plan for doing so. We don't know how to do that unless we have God's revelation. And here's the really crazy thing. Again, we live in a time where we are saturated by the ability to access God's Word. I mean, as I sit right here, I could access thousands of translations. I could Mm -hmm. pull up multiple uh, ancient manuscripts, right? Like, Mm -hmm. literally, uh, anyone can do that. But our ignorance about what God has said is greater than ever before. In fact, Mm -hmm. you know, I was speaking with my dad about this as we, uh, last week when I went to a Bible study with him, 
And I remember reading um, the first Van Til book that I wrote, read, and I can't remember which one it was, but one of the first, uh, I believe that it was Oliphant, was the general editor on it. And he's yeah. like, hey, it's it's hard to edit some of Van Til's books because Van Til quotes from scripture so often, like, sometimes it's hard to know where he just begins because just mm-hmm. in his normal conversation and his normal writing, he would just quote scripture, right? And mm-hmm. wouldn't designate it. So when you're editing a book uh, by Van Til, he just would go into scripture and so mm-hmm. you'd have to be like, oh wait, that's scripture. I better look up. Where is that reference, right? Yeah. And so God shares with us exactly how it is that we can grow in our spiritual walk. We didn't have that without Scripture, and therefore Scripture is necessary for knowing how to grow in righteousness, and we must be dependent upon it. And the sad thing is not enough people are dependent upon it. There's a great deal of ignorance in regard to that. And again, we're trying to, you know, we we live in this this post-enlightenment world where you know it's just empiricism um the god that the people are wanting to attack is this god that well you're coming up with these ideas and tons of people over time have come up with these ideas trying to again they're, they they think that they're trying to to transcend man to get to god and get this big ideal this would be just platonic uh, Kantian, just all all this line of philosophers, and that's not what we're saying. That's that that God doesn't exist. The yeah. God that we get to ascend, transcend our brains and our ideas, and try to make this category and trying to posit things up yeah. here. Um, that's what that's what the world try, thinks of like what we're trying to do. But no, 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 no. We have to believe if we're going to be serious Christians, taking the Bible seriously. God has condescended. He has spoken. And he necessarily spoken. So instead of um, an empirical approach to get to that point, it's a presupposition that you must have, or else you can't make anything else intelligible after that. Yeah, and and the necessity of Scripture contends essentially that God took the extra step to make mm-hmm. sure that we knew how to get to Him. Right? Mm-hmm. That well, actually, how we knew how to get to Him, how we knew to grow in His grace. Right? He has mm-hmm. given us that again. Uh, one thing that we would also recognize with this idea of Scripture being necessary for maintaining and growing in the spiritual life is that the failure to spend time in God's Word and failure to grow in our knowledge of God's Word means that we're basically spiritually starving ourselves to death. It says in Deuteronomy 32, 46-47, Take heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, for there is no empty word for you, but your very life, and by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Now again, this is coming from God speaking through Moses as the Israelites roll into uh, to Canaan, right? But God has made it clear what the Jews can do to live righteously before him. Without God having spoke, we, we don't know that. We have nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, further, Peter would even contend, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow into salvation. In other words, that pure spiritual milk that, that Peter is speaking about really is in context uh, of Second Peter in First Peter chapter 2, talking about God's Word. In other words, again, Peter is saying, if you want to grow, you have to be in God's Word. You have to desire to mm-hmm. have it. And so, number one, God has spoken, and it was necessary for us to have had God spoke, 
uh, to have God speak so that we could know what the gospel is. It is necessary for God to have spoken so that we could know how to grow in our spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. But further, it's necessary for God to have spoke so that we can have certain knowledge of what God's will is. Yes, and that's the thing is, is God a God that's going to let us just fly around empirically testing things and dying, and then more people going around testing things and dying? Is God going to be the author of death or the author of life? And if God didn't speak to us and he just allows us to go around willy-nilly to figure out what um, he likes and what he doesn't like, that's not a God at all that is worth anything. Yeah. And so, again, it's necessary that God speaks to us because we're not going to dig in the ground and find out that God wants us to do something. And that's the key difference, again. And this is going to be contingent, again, upon the... Uh, the clarity of scripture, right? Yeah. And even the authority. Again, exactly. as all... you always talk about the diamond impact of this mm-hmm. or or the crystal uh, yeah, impact the of these things. Yes. Of the whole thing. Yes. Bingo. We can see that these, uh, these points butt up against one another to hold each other together. Look, the necessity of scripture demonstrates that it was necessary for God to have speak, spoken so that we could know exactly what it is. God has clearly, objectively revealed. It was necessary for him to do, though. I mean, everyone who's ever lived, who's ever been born, according to Scripture, has some knowledge of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but not all have a certain specific knowledge. And that's what we have in Scripture, is certain specific written knowledge that is certain, that is objective. Uh, it is advice from God, not advice, it is commands from God that is from the internal witness of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, God is going to give us certain knowledge that doesn't just derive from our three-pound brains. God has spoken so we could know exactly what it is. All that we need to be provided with, God has spoken. God has made it clear. In Scripture, we have clear and certain definitive statements about God's objective will, such as Deuteronomy 29, 29. God says the secret things belong to our Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us Mm -hmm. and our children, that we may do all the words of this law. Again, God has made it clear. We can see there in that verse that God has revealed things to us that are ours and mm-hmm. our children. And of course, again, this is the covenant people, the Jews, in Deuteronomy, yeah. all the way back there walking with Moses. God had revealed things that belong to them. Not only are these God's words, they now become ours. We can own them because mm-hmm. they're His objective will. We have objective knowledge of what he wants, and we can do those things that bring him glory. God shares with us, too, how we can walk in his will and how we can walk in his word. Again, David would write Psalm 119.1, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. Right? God has revealed his will to us necessarily because otherwise we wouldn't know what to do. We wouldn't know what his will is. And again, Scripture bases its understanding of God in the fact that he is a God who doesn't hide himself. Mm -hmm. He reveals himself, but not just generally, very specifically. Yes. And so, I guess, uh, whenever we go on from that, um, so basically, to know any of this at all. Yes. This is the necessity of Scripture right here. To know anything with any certainty 
which I would say the only certainty that there is, it's necessary to have this revelation. I think that's kind of where all this is brought up to is to know anything with any sort of certainty, which I would say if it's, you know, the clear, the clarity and as all these things go, this is the only certain knowledge that you have is knowledge that has been revealed to you from the authoritative creator of the universe that is condescended. That's right. So um, that's what we really need to get into. So this is the point. People were saved without the scriptures. Direct revelation, dealings with God. But how about now? Why the scriptures? So remember, there is the distinction between direct revelation and scriptures. It's all revelation. It's all authoritative. It's all God's words to us. But there is a distinction here that needs to be made is because what happened before Christ showed up on the scene? What happened? Yeah. So one of the ways that we can deal with that is to simply look what Paul talks about. Simply look at what how Paul speaks about this idea back in Hebrews chapter 11 when speaking about the prophets of the Old Testament. Right. He says what? Like while they didn't have the gospel, he says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. And then to verse 26, he says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward again, speaking about the Jews and speaking about the faith of Abraham. While they did not have the gospel revealed to them, while at a point not all of them had even written scripture, God necessarily demonstrated himself in a special revelation. And then, but here's the thing too, God doesn't need to have given us the scripture to demonstrate he existed. And and that's where I want to kind of springboard from that. We can see places like Psalm 19 verse 1 where the heavens declare the glory of God, right? So God's word, while it is necessary for him to have spoken for us to have the gospel, for him to have spoken for us to have his will, uh, to know how to grow in Christ, God says we're without an excuse. All humanity is without an excuse, even if ready, even if he hadn't spoken in special revelation. That's a really key piece, right? Because you'll hear that argument again and again. What about those who have never heard? That's not an excuse, right? Uh, All you have to do is go, and I I love to go there, Acts chapter 10. Uh, Whenever anyone asks you, uh, what about those who haven't heard? In Acts chapter 10, we have the story, again, of Cornelius, right? And and the story of Cornelius is really interesting, right? Uh, It's really interesting because... It says in Acts chapter 10, just to give the summary, right? there's this guy named Cornelius who does these good things. He's a centurion, right? He fears God, and he gave alms generously to people. And look, he prayed continually to God. So what, did, what happened? Ready? Cornelius wanted to know God. Mm-hmm. So what did God do? God sent him Peter. Yes, he did. And so a dream and so all these cool things that bingo. happened. Yes. So yeah. here's the thing: had Cornelius died before God sent him Peter, mm. he would still be guilty. Yes. Why? Because God's general revelation, right, demonstrates that He exists. Yep. We suppress the unrighteousness, but here's what I would tell you: when one wants to know God, God will get His word to them. Yes, and that's that's the big thing. And I mean, Cy, uh, Tim Brunke has done the best thing. So if you know, if there's anybody out there um, that would have anything to contend with this, 
um, that there is no responsibility if God hasn't spoken. The thing is, what he says is instead of sending missionaries to preach the gospel, we should send construction crews to build walls around these people. Because if they have an excuse, that's right. we don't give them the gospel, Which because when we give them the gospel, we give them greater light. We give them damnation if they, ha- if they choose not to that's accept right. the gospel. And so if we build walls around them, then whenever they die and whenever the great day of judgment comes, they can be like, I didn't know you. That's right. And nobody got to me. And so then we have that whole um, Genesis 3 issue where we're in the garden complaining about each other and pointing fingers, right? No. Why do we send missionaries? Is because they are without excuse and we're trying to get the gospel to them so that they can go to death or go to the day of judgment covered in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's why. Because we we don't go to save people. We go preach the gospel because the wrath of God is coming. That's right. There, like, and, and again, again, so that's that's even scripture. Paul doesn't go up to Timothy and say, because people are lost and because people are hurting and blah, blah, blah. No, he goes, no, before you live before the face of God and his wrath is coming. So preach the word. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't directly, say it the other way around. Yeah, and Jesus makes it really, yeah. cle- really clear in, in John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on mm-hmm. him. In other words, when we go to preach the gospel, the wrath of God is already yes. on those people. And the wrath of God is this. They're slaves to sin. They're suppressing the truth. They have no way out in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is in Acts chapter 14, Peter, or excuse me, Paul preaches on this very, very clearly in, in Iconium. He, he says, excuse me, in Lystra, he says in Acts chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, In past generations, God allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet, he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Which takes you back to the Noahic covenant. Yes. So again, covenant is still you know, a spoken covenant between God and man, and especially these unilateral covenants that man doesn't get out of. Noah right. could not get out of that covenant. That's right. He did not choose for that covenant, and he did not choose to get out of that covenant. That was yes. something spoken to, decreed by God himself. And it, it's important then, again, to realize that, yes, it was necessary for God to speak so that we might know the gospel specifically. Mm-hmm. It was necessary for God to speak so that we could have knowledge of how to grow. It was necessary for God to speak so that we could know his objective well. But he left us without an excuse mm-hmm. for not knowing those things. In other words, God gave us what we wanted. God gave us, because we are in Adam or in Christ, what those in Adam have chosen. Mm-hmm. Freely, by yeah. the way. Yeah, so I mean, the big thing here, though, is we need to get to the scriptures. We've talked about a lot of God speaking, but, you know, so we don't want to equivocate terms between God directly speaking and the scriptures. So, you know, what happened, again, I'll pick up where I left off here. What happened before Christ? What did the Jewish community realize happened 400 years before Christ? It was the fact that God stopped speaking. That's right. And they were without his word. And a lot of stuff happened in that 400 years, right? So yes. the prophet stopped speaking. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you have Jesus come on the scene. 
he starts speaking. He's calling himself God. He's bringing not his words, but the Father's words. And he reveals a lot more about the gospel, the kingdom of God, who he is, who the Father is, who the Holy Spirit will be whenever Pentecost happens, before Pentecost happens. Um, and you have all this stuff. Um, why is scripture important? Why was the scripture important to people when the prophet stopped speaking? It was written down. It was the authoritative word of God. God wasn't directly speaking. You had generations of people. Where did they go? To know who God is. The scriptures, right? That's right. Then we have Jesus come back on the scene. He starts speaking. God starts speaking again. And then now Christ is ascended into heaven. And what happens? You have the apostles and then they die. Where do we go? Now, this is kind of the debate between the charismatics and, and other people. But see, we got to understand that Hebrews answers our question for us. Hebrews starts off in verse 1 saying, Long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He's just not Imago Dei, but he is the exact imprint of his nature. Man never had God's nature. So he's God, and he upholds the universe by his word of his by the word of his power, and after making purification for sins, he sat down. It is finished. This is why we have to go with the scriptures. Is because revelation and necessity is attached to redemptive history. Christ is done speaking. God is not speaking in that same direct way anymore. That's why we have a closed canon. And so that's why the scriptures, again, this has to be a presupposition about these scriptures themselves. It is the final full revelation of what God wants us to know for all these attributes. And so this is why we have to have the scriptures. So this is a, this becomes our presupposition. Yeah, and I, and I want to jump yeah. off of one yeah. thing because I always think it is really important. You said the period of silence. That was something yeah. that the Jews recognized, right? So mm -hmm. uh, just to interject here, you'll have people, well, what about the Apocrypha? What about the Apocrypha? A few little things. Maccabees, First uh, Maccabees chapter 4, verse 45 to 46. Always, I love to defer to this one. Uh, it was written about 100 B.C., we believe, First uh, Maccabees, chapter 4, verses 45 to 46. And you can get the Apocrypha real easy. It's mm -hmm. easy to read, uh, and I would tell you that you would also be uh, benefited, at least, to have a knowledge of that. But uh, Maccabees writes, So they tore down the altar and stored the stones in a convenient place on the temple hill, until there should come a prophet to tell them what to do with them. It's obvious from the writing of the book of Maccabees that the author doesn't consider himself a prophet. Mm -hmm. And it is obvious that they believed. Uh, even Josephus makes it really clear in his writings, writing about 37 to 38 AD, that the Jews believed that God was not speaking. In other mm -hmm. words, no words of God came after 435 BC. And so to talk about that period of silence is just mm -hmm. a little piece. I wasn't trying to rabbit trail oh, no, that. No, no. There was just something when you were speaking, I was like, oh man, I better jump on that yeah, in case somebody yeah. says something. Uh, more the merrier on the uh, information train, especially. Yeah, no problem. And so, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is, this is rooted in redemptive history. God wanted obedience in the garden. He had to speak and let us know what obedience was or else he would not be a just God for demanding obedience without letting us know how to obey him, right? Well, now we're on the flip side of the fall. So it's necessary for redemption. And so the grounding root of the necessity of Scripture is 
redemption and redemptive history. And so we know how, what, what does the Bible go through? It starts going through Genesis and after the fall, you have genealogies and how God related to man. And then you got how God related to man via Israel and all that history uh, before Christ and before God stopped speaking by the prophets uh, after basically all the prophets were killed by God's own people that he picked, right? That's right. And then you have Jesus Christ, which is the Savior, which was the promised Savior of Genesis 3.15 to Adam and Eve. So, so don't say they didn't know the gospel. They didn't know specifics, but they knew the gospel. They knew that there was somebody coming. So last about five minutes or so yeah. here, I want to kind of rein this into some some practical application of mm. the necessity of Scripture. So if you were, again, today's been more of like a theology lesson, yeah. which has been great. It's yeah. been fun to do some systematic theology. One of my favorite things to teach. Well, One of my favorite classes to have. As, as to and quote so, James White and smart you know, apologist, your theology determines your apologetics. So if you don't go through systematic theology and how things fit together and how the Bible has put things together, systematic theology and biblical theology are your friends together, yeah. to do apologetics. Right on. So if you were going to put some uh, practical application for the doctrine of the necessity of Scripture, what would you say for the, uh, for the average individual who is a churchgoer, who is uh, engaging in just personal evangelism, as their church would want them to do, is living out the Christian faith, what would be some important elements that we would want them to take away from the idea of the necessity of Scripture? Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, did God really say, did God really speak is out there. Um, that we're going to get into this on the clarity of Scripture yeah. anyway. Um, that'll be on the next show. So, yeah. this, so this will, you'll probably see the necessity of Scripture um, applied a lot more in the clarity of Scripture because that's where we have problems. But um, the necessity of Scripture, you know, if you hear anybody talking like that, um, it's 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 going to be an epistemological issue. So yeah, and so how do you know anything at all? There you go. And so that that's the major question. Whenever somebody goes, well, you know, um, I don't believe in this this Bible God. I, I I'm a spiritual, and there's there's a transcendence thing out there that I believe there exists, but not really, and he hasn't really spoken, but there's just something in me, and we can go, you know, yeah, yeah, you're made in the image of God, that's why you feel that way, um, but whenever they say, I'm just going to go about my life and do this, this, and that, and then, you know, if this transcendent being exists after I die or whatever, you're going to be like, you know, you're just making this stuff up, so, so <laughs> you know, yeah. so how do you know what you know, so, and how, why are you acting absolutely out of I don't know. So basically the person's life becomes um, just a big argument from ignorance for how they do anything. And so that's where the necessity of scriptures, I mean, it's the necessity of special revelation, which then is in God's direct revelation and his written revelation that we have um, based on the fact that God has stopped speaking. And so we have that, that it's, it's a necessity to be written down so that we have it. It's God's revealed will for us, for them and for the future generations it's written down. Um, but yeah, I think that that is the basic thing. How do you know what you know? And how do you know any of this? So I would kind of put it down to necessity mm -hmm. with, with three little things without scripture, you're reduced to absurdity yes. without scripture. You are condemned to die uh, eternally mm -hmm. without scripture. You have no way to grow in the faith. 
So when we go with the idea of without Scripture, we're reduced to absurdity, right? Mm-hmm. Scripture is necessary because we have an objective reality. We live in a world where we can know for certain what is true. Without objective revelation from a God who knows all the facts that are true, without a God who is uh, whose wisdom and um, omniscience, yes, omniscience is knowing everything, Yeah, omniscient, we can know nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it from an epistemological standpoint, we can't know everything, but we do know the one who does know everything. And so without that, we have no objective reality in and of ourselves. Again, right on the epistemological standpoint, mm-hmm. it was necessary for God to speak so we could have any knowledge at all. Mm-hmm. That is the difference between a Christian and any other religion yes. And any other non-religion, which is a religion of itself anyways, those who would say they're atheists have given up knowledge. Scripture tells us that, and we can reduce them to that absurdity. So then the next one is, we're without hope. Without God having revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ, we have no reconciliation between ourselves and the creator of the universe, which means that we, again, stand condemned already. Special revelation was necessary for us to understand that God had entered into creation in Jesus Christ and had done so in order to save people who couldn't save themselves. Finally, without special revelation, without scripture, we have no way to grow in grace. I Mm -hmm. want to jump real quick back to one verse, and I want to end kind of my position, my point on this. It says in 1 John 5, verse 3, For this is a love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is a love of God, that we keep his commandments. If we love God, we will strive to do the will that he has revealed, excuse me, what he has revealed as his will. Mm -hmm. So, again, necessity of scripture is important because without it, we have no knowledge. Necessity of scripture is important. Incredibly important because without Scripture, we have no hope. We have no Christ. Mm -hmm. And, of course, necessity of Scripture is important because without it, we have no way to demonstrate that we love God. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll just kind of finish it up with the uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith. Just for those people that don't like confessions so much. Well, now, after you've heard what I said, now maybe you'll understand the confessional language and understand how beautiful it is and that we stand on the backs of giants, that we don't have to do the work ourselves, but God has left himself a witness throughout history. This will defeat, um, you know, uh, the restoration movement where you see the church of Christ and, and Mormonism and all that stuff come out of where they kind of say there was no real church after yeah. say three twenty five till the 1800s. Right. And so confessions are great for understanding that we're not saying anything new. It's right. It's something recognized uh, throughout history. And it says the distance between God and creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obeisance to him as their creator, yet they could never have attained the reward of life, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. This covenant is a necessary thing for us. Again, it is the covenant. If once you uh, get into what a covenant is and how a covenant has expressed itself in scripture, it is God binding himself, though he doesn't need to. He wants to and he desires a relationship. He has made the way of relationship through speaking. 
And um, it's a necessary thing. Again, how do we know what to do? How do we know what we know? And how can we move forward in our life without uh, worrying about running into walls with our eyes closed? And we don't have to do that in God's world. And that's the gospel. And then that's just a part of it. You know, Christ made the way. He tore down the wall, too. So, I mean, we can go all day on on little things like that. Um, but how do you know what we know? And uh, what, what backs up? What justifies knowledge? And it's only in the God who can speak. That's right. And who has spoken. And we have it. And so, you know, the gospel is, is that you can open up your Bibles, know who he is, know that he loves you, know that he cares for you, and that he's taking care of you. Um, and that's the same gospel that you can go out and uh, tell other people about and bring them into family, into communion with you um, and other people so that we can get through this life and be with Jesus in the future. So, yeah, I hey. think that's a good uh, stopping point for uh, today anyway with the yeah. necessity of Scripture. I so. think that we have hit the necessity. I'm excited to jump on to the clarity, clarity of Scripture. And we'll then, the of course, next, next week we'll also hit the... Inerrancy. Of course, those yes. listening to the podcast, they won't even know the date that we recorded this because it'll just show up whenever. Yeah. But those who have done who followed us on the live cast, met up with us, man, we always appreciate it. Yeah. Hope that we put together something that was useful, encouraging, mm-hmm. maybe something you didn't think about and exactly say, you know, maybe your question is, well, why 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 did we need the Bible? Right? Maybe that's yeah. more of the questions you ask. And I and I hope today that we've provided a good reason for why you need the Bible. Yeah, um, yeah. So with that said, we will be back uh, here a little later, but and we'll make sure to post it up whenever we're getting ready to come on um, with the Clarity of Scripture episode. Um, and then we'll have another episode. It's a three-episode day. But anyway, we'll let you guys know. Thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Again, like it. hope it's been awesome. Three-episode uh, day. <laughs> that's right. And we hope that it's been encouraging. So uh, interact with us. Uh, send us messages. Send us emails. Yes. Uh, like the uh, Facebook page. Like the Twitter. Yes. Follow us there. Like Please, us on YouTube. If you have been um, blessed yeah. by this, give us Please. feedback. We would desire, we do desire, anytime you can give us a review, a five-star review, preferably we really appreciate it on Facebook. It's really good yeah. for us. And share. Um, please share. Uh, with and then res- respond. I mean, we've got a show coming up that we're going to do some response things to sure. because we actually had somebody uh, respond to something that we talked yeah. about. And so hopefully today we'll get to clarify a little bit of stuff, some things that we said um, in that so that we can, again, progress um, good doctrine and uh, good thoughts and uh, brotherly love and give and take and all that kind of stuff that we get to do as uh, people that are uh, called out from the world and sin to be God's church. Um, and the and the expression of his multifaceted wisdom. Um, anyway, so please, if you have any responses, let us know. We'd like to do that. But until the next time that we go live and put up another podcast, I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And Soli. Deo. Gloria.